Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Justin Trudeau unveils the Liberal plan to improve long-term care. The federal government has no intention of starting to micromanage long-term care. That is a provincial responsibility. But I do know one thing. We all agree that as a country, we need to do better by our seniors. The Conservatives vow to protect the rights of healthcare workers who refuse to provide abortions and assisted death. I want to make sure that access for women to those services are available across the country. It's an important right I will not only defend. I think we can also defend conscience rights for our incredible men and women on the front lines in our healthcare system. That is something we're going to do, particularly as we're studying expansions to to assisted dying. And the majority of Canadians support mandatory vaccines and consider COVID-19 a top election issue. I think that that created a lot of gray on that topic and kind of helped the Conservatives survive some of those more um, biting attacks on that topic. It's Friday, August 20th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top stories from the campaign trail this morning. Joining us is CBC At Issue panelist Althea Raj. Althea, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. So throughout this campaign, the the early days of it, it's day six now, I found it interesting that uh, we haven't talked a lot about the pandemic and and where we're going from here, the the lessons arising from it. There have been lots of other issues, actually, that have been talked about uh, in the early days of the campaign. Um, but yesterday, Liberal leader Justin Trudeau brought up the whole issue of long-term care facilities. There was there was a moment going back a few months when I think a lot of Canadians felt genuinely horrified about the conditions in many of the facilities where uh, older Canadians are living and where people with disabilities are living. And uh, and then we didn't hear a lot about it for a, for a period of time. So the, the Liberals are promising to put a lot of money into this. And uh, and of course, it, it raises the question of of what the best strategy is and more broadly, what else needs to be done with healthcare? And some of the other parties have been talking about that as well. So give me your thoughts on what you've heard so far and what you heard yesterday. Yeah, I'm I'm sure the liberals would like us to talk more about um, the COVID-19 pandemic and the way forward, because that is their message. That is basically the frame that they wanted to try to put on the election, but um, reporters have decided to move in all sorts of different directions and not just focus on, uh, as liberals call it, building back better. But what we saw on Thursday was the liberal leader promised $9 billion over five years for long-term care. And this uh, was basically um, included in that promise was creating um, more jobs and ensuring that um, those personal support workers make at least $25 an hour. Now, it it was kind of um, criticized in Quebec for saying, you know, you are stepping into uh, provincial jurisdiction. That was uh, Monsieur Blanchet, Yves-François Blanchet, the Bloc leader's line. Um, why does Ottawa need to dictate how Quebec will spend that money? But for many people who remember the Canadian forces going into long-term care and the conditions in those residences, um, this may uh, strike a chord uh, with those voters. Um, this is included in what I suspect is going to be several health care announcements. Um, the block leader tried to put health care back on the agenda this week, um, 
basically writing a letter to Premier um, Brian Pallister in Manitoba saying that he agrees that um, health care costs should increase to 35%. So 35 cents of every dollar spent on health care should come from the federal government. Um, and so bringing that was a, a motion, well, a request from most of the provincial premiers in the spring, right before the Liberal budget. And that's something that the bloc had been pushing in the House of Commons that the Liberals have yet to agree to. But one thing I'll flag is that in the Conservative platform that was released earlier this week, there is a note there that Aaron O'Toole would support raising the escalations of the, the amount by which healthcare transfers increase um, every year to a minimum of 6%. Right now, it's minimum of 3% tied to um, the economy. Um, so he's kind of reversing the Harper era cuts. Um, and that is squeezing the Liberals and making them realize that they cannot be outflanked on health care um, by the Conservatives. In some ways, perhaps echoing what we saw in Nova Scotia earlier this week with the surprise victory of the progressive conservatives who campaigned hard on spending more money on health care. Right. So we will certainly see uh, more money um, from the liberals on health care and more talk about health care in the weeks to come. All right. Speaking of Aaron O'Toole and the conservatives and what they've been talking about, uh, O'Toole has vowed to protect the rights of health care workers who refuse to provide abortions and assistance in dying. Um, it's interesting because I don't, I don't think people expected Aaron O'Toole to be talking about abortion during this election campaign. That's usually an issue that, that conservative leaders don't want to talk about during an election campaign, and, and the liberals have pounced on that a little bit. So uh, what do you think has happened there, and what implication? what are the implications of it? Yeah, I'd say basically the first week, um, the Liberals have tried to paint and frame Aaron O'Toole in a certain way, like a, as an anti-vaxxer, an anti-choice. And the Conservatives have been quite successful in actually countering those claims and reframing Aaron O'Toole. And what we saw um, this week was actually Mr. O'Toole um, telling voters in Quebec, as he made this, this announcement in Quebec about a Quebec contract, and I'll get to that in a bit, but declaring in his pitch to Quebecers that um, he was not like the other conservative leaders that had appeared before them uh, before, that he was a pro-choice leader. And he repeated that several times, making the point that he is pro-choice. And we'll re remember that during the 2019 election, Andrew Scheer cannot say those words, and he was hammered during the French language debates. And so the conservatives really wanted to put this issue to rest. And in some ways, it forced the Liberals to respond very earlier on, much earlier than I think the Liberals uh, wanted to bring this up. And the response was muted at first. A few tweets from Miriam Monsef and Carolyn Bennett, these um, higher-profile female cabinet ministers. But then uh, the Liberals floated the fact that in the Conservative Party's platform, uh, on page 140-something, um, there is the note that Aaron O'Toole protects the right of healthcare professionals, conscience rights of healthcare professionals. It was written in the context of medically assisted dying, but the Liberals are trying to suggest that, well, if um, Aaron O'Toole allows doctors to not just not perform abortions, but not recommend um, their, their patients to medical professionals who are ready to perform that service, then this would be an affront to a woman's right to choose. Um, there is no way that this is the end to the abortion debate in this election. Um, if anything, it is just the the opening shot, because as we know, um, while Aaron O'Toole is decidedly pro-choice, 
um, what we saw earlier this spring is actually the majority, two-thirds of his majority of his caucus voted basically against him in favor of a pro-life bill. So um, the Liberals will certainly not make, not let voters forget that fact. I think this is the beginning of, of lots more talk on social issues during this campaign. Yeah. And let's go back to, to COVID-19 and, and vaccines, because we have spent some time this week during the first week of the campaign talking about mandatory vaccines. It's It's been a story at the provincial level in the country as well. Um, it, it seems as though if this is intended to be a wedge issue, that the majority of Canadians do support mandatory vaccines. They consider uh, this to be an election issue. Um, so do you think that helps the Liberals or has it not really, it, there have been people accusing them of politicizing the issue as well. Has it not really taken hold the way they hoped? I don't think it has yet, but I I would say that there's two different parts to the message. The first is I think there are um, legit questions to be asked about why Mr. O'Toole is not requiring his candidates, candidates who are out mingling with hundreds, if not thousands of people during this election campaign to be vaccinated. The Liberals not don't just want to suggest that Mr. O'Toole um, is not in favor of mandatory vaccination, but also want to, I guess, bring to the forefront in the minds of voters the fact that Mr. Trio um, cares about obviously this is their message track, cares about people's safety and their health, and Mr. O'Toole um, cares less about people's safety and their health. So that's why we're going to keep hearing that message. Um, there is great popular support for um, for people to be doubly vaccinated uh, to board planes and trains, and that is not something that uh, Mr. O'Toole has yet to support. Then there's the issue of mandatory vaccination in the public service. And I think that this is maybe a case that sometimes the Liberals tend to overreach in their attacks and then they get um, kind of some of the blowback. And, and I think that's what we saw because the Conservatives rightfully pointed out that their position, which is um, opposed to mandatory vaccine, but thinks that, that people who don't want to be vaccinated or can't be vaccinated should get tested before they go into these common areas with others, that actually this was the government's own policy that in a briefing up from the Privy Council office that was floated on the internet, um, that's what the policy stated. Now, uh, the liberals, the governing liberals, who quickly pointed out to their public servants that this is not their party's policy and not the government's policy, and then that note should be taken down. But I think that that created a lot of gray um, on that topic and kind of helped um, the Conservatives survive some of those more um, biting attacks on that topic. Yeah. Well, it's been a very interesting first week to the campaign. Althea, thank you for sharing your thoughts with us today. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, thank you so much, Mark. Have a great weekend. That's CBC at issue panelist Althea Raj. When I think about the biggest, most important economic policy this government, if re-elected, would move forward, you'll forgive me if I don't think about monetary policy. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the National Post, Tasha Carradine argues Justin Trudeau should be thinking about monetary policy or we'll all pay the price. Carradine writes, The leaders have a scant 35 days to score their points in an atmosphere of pandemic uncertainty and financial anxiety. If the opposition succeeds in dragging the Liberals onto economic terrain and attacking from both the left and the right on issues of affordability, their incumbent advantage could melt away. While one faux pas may not be as fatal, Justin Trudeau can't afford to make more mistakes in an election that is his to lose. 
At globalnews.ca, Lori Turnbull argues the Nova Scotia election is a sign that pandemic performance isn't the only thing that matters. Turnbull writes, There's a lesson in this for the federal liberals who, like the Nova Scotia liberals, are running on their pandemic response. There is no other pressing ballot question from their campaign and no particular need for a renewed mandate from the public. If Nova Scotia is any indication, this could prove a risky strategy. Even when governments have managed the public health and economic implications of the pandemic competently, people want and expect more than that. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues voters are being shortchanged with just two leaders' debates. The Star writes, Why, in a campaign that's being conducted in the shortest possible legal time and with direct contact between politicians and voters constrained by public health restrictions, are we getting the bare minimum of debates? They give voters the best opportunity to get a sense of how the leaders think on their feet and react to an unscripted situation. But we're getting just two of them because that serves the interests of the parties and the TV networks that broadcast them, not because it's necessarily best for voters. Now, here's what's coming up on the campaign trail today. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau will make an announcement and speak with the media in Winnipeg. Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole will make an announcement in Winnipeg before meeting with supporters in Saskatoon. NDP leader Jugmeet Singh will be in Edmonton, where he will visit the Kawases First Nation and speak to the media. Green Party leader Annamie Paul will hold a news conference in Toronto. And Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchet will hold a news conference to speak about climate change in saint marthe sur le lac Quebec, and another in Longueuil to talk about the oil industry. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, August 20th. Tune in to CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day and weekend for coverage of the federal election campaign. And join me for Have Your Say every weekday on CPAC at 12 Eastern Time. Our podcast returns Monday morning. Have a great weekend.